When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome into the Star Wars Legends Lounge, the show that celebrates the books from Star Wars Legends. I'm Aaron Motes. The Major League Baseball playoffs have started, one of my favorite times of the year when it comes to sporting events. And the first week has already been riveting, even though my beloved Baltimore Orioles did not make the playoffs this year. But still, it was a fantastic season. Next year, can't get here quickly enough for the O's. But you don't want to hear me talk about the Mariners and Astros or anyone else in the playoffs. There's plenty of other shows you can download for that. You want to hear about today's book. It's The Force Unleashed 2 by Sean Williams, the follow-up to the very successful Force Unleashed video game and multimedia campaign. Starkiller Lives, maybe? And he's searching for Juno and his former master, Darth Vader. It's a story of action, adventure, and a little bit of romance. And it's coming up in just a few minutes. But first, it's listener question time. I have two questions today. The first email comes from listener Jeff, the Chipman. Jeff says, Hi Aaron, I'm a new listener, only discovering your podcast maybe a month ago, and have binged the entire catalog in about two weeks. I read the Darth Bane trilogy maybe six months ago and was a real page-turner. Easily my favorite trilogy I've read in a very long time. I'm currently halfway through Darth Plagueis and am planning the next few Legends books on my list because of your podcast. I'd love to hear about the Jedi Apprentice series of young adult books, if you have the time. The first book of that series was my very first Star Wars book, I think when I was 9 or 10, and haven't read any of them since. Thanks and take care. Well, thank you very much for the email, Jeff. And thank you very much for the kind words about the show. I hope you're able to finish the Darth Plagueis novel. If you have, send me an email. Give me your thoughts. Did you like it? Are there parts you didn't work for you? Let me know. And tell me the other Legends books on your reading list. If you'd like some suggestions, let me know. Now, to your question. You are not the first person that has asked me about the Jedi Apprentice series. For the listeners who may not know what they are, Jedi Apprentice is a series of 18 young reader books about the adventures of Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi before the events of The Phantom Menace. And I'll be honest, Jeff, I've never read any of them, and I was not planning on reading them for the podcast. I was 22 years old when the first Jedi Apprentice book was published. They weren't in my age range. And, as I've said on the show before, I'm not really a fan of the prequels, and I'm still not, although I have gained a better appreciation for those movies. There are some good parts in them, but because I 
didn't particularly like The Phantom Menace, and because they were young reader books, I never had any interest in the Jedi Apprentice series. However, I guess I have to rectify that. So, Jeff, I'll make you a promise. For you and the other listeners who have emailed me and tweeted me about them, I will purchase the Jedi Apprentice books and read them for the podcast. Now, that won't be anytime soon. I already have the schedule for 2023 hammered out. My nephew Jack helped me come up with the schedule for next year. But sometime after that, I'll read the Jedi Apprentice series. If I continue this podcast to its natural conclusion of the Legends book continuity, which I fully intend to, I'll be putting out episodes until sometime in 2027. And it's only fair. I'm planning to read the Junior Jedi Knights Young Reader series, so I should also read the Jedi Apprentice series. Thank you very much for the email, Jeff. Today's second email comes from listener Jake. The email was very nice. Uh, It was a little bit long, so I had to edit it down a bit for the podcast. Jake says, I love the show and how you give a neutral view of Star Wars. I just hit Season 2 of Legends Lounge and had a few questions. Number one, do you plan to read and review the rare-slash-canceled Heart of the Jedi book? The novel was briefly made and sold and are now being bought for upwards of $250 because they didn't have permission from Lucasfilm to sell them. Yes, Jake, I am. I downloaded a free PDF version of the story by Kenneth C. Flint back in early 2021 when he was releasing it free on his website. Now, I have not read it yet. Personally, I don't like reading digital versions of stories. It hurts my eyes. I like holding physical copies. So, I plan on taking the PDF to an office store and pay to have it printed and bound just for me. I think I'll read it as a follow-up to the Truce Epicura whenever I get around to reading that book. Question 2. Have you read the duology Cross Current and Riptide? I love this series and would love to hear your thoughts on it. Yes, I have read them, back when they were first published. Can't really say I remember them, but I will be reading them for the show sometime in the future. Question 3. Which equipment do you use to record? Well, I have a Moano Home and Office Studio microphone. That's M-A-O-N-O, Moano. It's a pretty nice little microphone on its own little stand. It just plugs into my laptop's USB port. I bought it for $39.99 back in the fall of 2020. And for recording and editing software, I just downloaded a free copy of Audacity. So that's all I use to make this show. Do you plan on ever having guests on the show or co-host to help on it? I'd like to throw my hat into the ring if I could. Well, you're not the first person to ask me that, Jake. At the moment, I do not have any plans for having a co-host. That's mostly because of my hectic recording schedule. I record and edit these shows at a different time almost every episode, so it's kind of tough to plan on how to record, edit, and produce a show with someone else who has their own stuff going on in their life. Honestly, it wouldn't be fair to that person. But 
If my recording schedule stabilizes, sure, I'd consider a co-host. Now, as to having guests on, that is somewhat easier. In fact, I had my first ever guest on a question and answer show a few months ago, and that is something I'm definitely considering again for the future. I'll keep your email, Jake. Lastly, Jake says he plans to make his own Star Wars podcast called Revan Reads, and he asks the question, when I get my own channel started, can I recommend viewers to yours? I want to list all the shows that inspired me to start my channel. Well, thank you very much, Jake. Of course, you can tell people to come listen to my podcast. You can recommend the Star Wars Legends Lounge to anyone. I'd be honored. Thank you very much for the email, Jake. Now, if you want to be really cool, like Jeff and Jake, and would like to contact the show, you can email me at swlegendslounge at gmail.com or send me a tweet at legendslounge1. Or, if you'd like to get your voice on the show, just record yourself and email it in. But please, if you do, record your file in MP3 or MP4 audio format. Now, it's time to dive into today's book, The Force Unleashed 2 by Sean Williams. Grab yourself a drink, and let's head in to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. Once again, today's book synopsis is going to be a little shorter, as the story is mostly just a retelling of the second video game. But as a novel, I think this one flowed a little better than the first book. Still, you're just basically reading the video game. Anyway, the story begins on Camino, where a young man has been in a cell for 13 days. Darth Vader tells the man he's a clone of Starkiller, the Dark Lord's apprentice, who died on the Death Star more than a year ago. Vader hands Starkiller a pair of red lightsabers and orders several training droids to attack. The droids assume the identities of different members of the Rebellion. Starkiller hacks and slashes through the droids until only one remains, a droid that looks familiar. It's a mysterious woman that Starkiller cannot bring himself to kill. Vader tells him it's Juno Eclipse, a woman important to the original Starkiller. The Dark Lord calls the clone a failure and must be eliminated, but Starkiller blasts Vader with force lightning and escapes the cell. He fights through squads of stormtroopers, breaks into a fighter hangar, steals a ship, and flees the planet. On Kato Nemordia, Juno leads a small rebel fleet in support of the Jedi General Rom Kota. The goal is to steal intelligence, but Kota goes rogue and tries to capture Baron Tarko, the head of Imperial forces in the sector. Kota's ground forces are overwhelmed. He orders Juno and the fleet to return to the main fleet and deliver the intelligence to Senator Bail Organa. Juno sweeps in to try to save General Kota, but the Jedi disappears in an explosion before she can reach the planet. In hyperspace, Starkiller gets a vision of Kota and heads to Kato Nemoidia. When he arrives in the system, Baron Tarko mistakenly believes it's Darth Vader and allows the ship to land. When Starkiller emerges from the fighter, Tarko realizes his mistake and orders his troops to stop the young man. Starkiller fights through the troops and chases Tarko through the city. Along the way, Starkiller destroys more troops, Imperial walkers, and war droids. 
he chases Baron Tarko to the city's arena, where he finds General Kota. As Starkiller frees the Jedi, Tarko orders his assistant to release the Gorog, a nasty, vicious creature more than twice the size of a Rancor. The Gorog roars and swings its immense claws at the two humans. Starkiller dodges and races up the Gorog's arms, leaping onto the creature's huge head. He stabs down with his lightsabers. The Gorog lets out a huge roar and flings Starkiller across the arena. The creature then spots Kota and grabs the Jedi, when suddenly the floor of the arena opens up, dropping Kota and the Gorog through the hole into a deep chasm. Starkiller dives after them, using the Force to fall faster. He reaches the Gorog and uses the Force to blast the creature in the chest. The creature lets go of Kota, and the rogue shadow suddenly swoops in and saves the two falling Jedi while the Gorog plummets to the bottom of the Great Pit. On the ship, Kota asks how Starkiller is still alive. I'm not, Starkiller says. At least, I'm not the man you knew. I'm his clone. When he tells Kota about Vader's cloning facility on Kamino, the Jedi says it's the perfect spot for another strike against the Empire. But Starkiller refuses. His mission is to find Juno, not to help the Rebellion. Disgusted, Kota tells Starkiller to drop him off on Malastare, and then he can go look for Juno on a desolate planet, Dagobah. On Dagobah, Starkiller is drawn to a pit of dark side energy. At the mouth of the cave, he meets a small green creature who tells Starkiller he must enter to find what he has lost. In the cave, Starkiller receives several visions of Kota leading an attack, of himself in Jedi robes, and of Juno being attacked on the bridge of a ship by an unknown party. Starkiller returns to Malastare and tells Kota of his vision. The two Jedi take the rogue shadow to find the rebel fleet at the Aetana Nebula. They arrive and find Juno's ship, the Salvation, under attack. When they dock alongside the Salvation, Starkiller tells Kota to leave him and order the attack on Kamino. The rogue shadow leaves as Starkiller enters the Salvation. On his way to the bridge, Starkiller fights through spider droids and terror troops, only to find the bounty hunter Boba Fett taking Juno prisoner. Fett unleashes a large terror droid to battle Starkiller, while the bounty hunter scoops up Juno and escapes on Slave One. Starkiller destroys the terror droid and takes control of the Salvation. He contacts Kota and says he'll meet the rebel fleet at Kamino. The Salvation arrives to find a space battle raging over the planet. Starkiller avoids the fighting and plunges the damaged cruiser through the atmosphere. The Salvation starts to break apart, but Starkiller uses the Force to hold the ship together. He rides the cruiser down through Kamino's clouds and aims it at the Tamira City Shield Generator. Starkiller leaps off the Salvation just before the ship crashes into the generator, bringing down the shield and opening up the city for orbital bombardment. Starkiller fights his way up through the levels of Tamira City to the cloning towers, and he gets a little help along the way, hopping on the top of a Y-wing fighter when it zips underneath the huge city platform. 
Starkiller rides the Y-Wing up to the base of the main cloning tower, leaping off the fighter and landing at the base of the spire. He receives another force vision, Juno and Kota berating Starkiller, calling him a monster, a tool for Darth Vader, and only an echo of a dead man. But these aren't normal force visions. It's a trick. As Darth Vader inundates Starkiller with the dark side of the force, Starkiller pushes through the vision to find Vader waiting for him, surrounded by more Starkiller clones. The Dark Lord unleashes the clones on Starkiller, but these clones aren't fully grown. They're mentally unstable. Starkiller uses the Force to turn some of the clones against Vader, forcing the Master and the Apprentice to battle the unstable Force wielders together. Of course, they defeat the unstable clones, leaving Starkiller facing down with his former Master. Suddenly, Vader steps to the side, revealing Juno, choking her with the Force. Vader orders Starkiller to bow before him, or he'll kill Juno. Starkiller obeys, dropping his lightsabers and kneeling before the Dark Lord. Vader releases Juno and advances on Starkiller, ordering him to open himself to the dark side, kill Kota, and return to Vader's service. As Vader towers over Starkiller, Juno silently crawls to where Starkiller's lightsabers are laying. She grabs one, ignites it, and lunges at Vader. But the Dark Lord dodges and flings her out the tower window, plummeting to the base of the spire. Enraged, Starkiller calls his lightsabers back to him and charges Vader. He launches both of them out the window, and they land on the electrical platform near Juno's body, their lightsabers locked in combat. The duel goes back and forth until Starkiller slices off Vader's hand. He then draws on the electrical current running through the pylons on the platform and unleashes a tremendous blast of Force Lightning, finally defeating Vader. Starkiller stands over the Dark Lord, intent on killing Vader, when General Kota arrives. The Jedi talks Starkiller down and takes Vader into custody. Finally, Starkiller approaches Juno's body, and finds Proxy trying to revive her. The droid says it looks bleak, but miraculously, Juno opens her eyes. Starkiller takes Juno's head in his hands and kisses her. The story ends with Kota taking Vader to stand trial with Rebel Command, and Starkiller, Juno, and Proxy leaving on the Rogue Shadow. Time for a break. When we come back, I'll talk more about The Force Unleashed 2, I'm Aaron Motes. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. Thanks for listening to the Star Wars Legends Lounge, where we celebrate the books from Star Wars Legends. But allow me to suggest a book from Star Wars canon. Queen's Peril is the story of young Padme Amidala, in the first few weeks after she's elected Queen of Naboo. Joined by a group of young women with extraordinary skills, Padme and her handmaidens learn how to govern while the threat of the Trade Federation looms over the planet. That's Queen's Peril by E.K. Johnston. Welcome back to the Star Wars Legends Lounge, the show that celebrates the books from Star Wars Legends. I'm Aaron Motes, and today's book is The Force Unleashed 2 by Sean Williams, the sequel to The Force Unleashed 
from 2008. I think you guys can kind of tell by my synopsis and what I've generally said about the fact that I never really played that many Star Wars video games, that these two books weren't really my cup of tea. I will say, I think the second book, The Force Unleashed 2, works slightly better as a novel than The Force Unleashed did. I think the author, Sean Williams, did a better job of forming the narrative the way that a reader would typically think a novel flowed. However, it definitely wasn't perfect. You could tell at times that you were simply being told a fancified version of how the video game level was supposed to play out. The action parts, Starkiller, blasting stuff with Force Lightning, the endless legion of troops and droids attacking Starkiller as he's trying to run through the city on Cato Nemoidia to try to get to the arena. And then, of course, the big boss fight with the Gorog running through the different levels of the Salvation, trying to get to the bridge where Juno is, going through the terror troops, the spider droids, and then finding Boba Fett at the top. And then, of course, Boba Fett releasing this large terror droid, you know, the boss of this level. And then, of course, the adventure on Kamino and the ultimate boss level fight with Darth Vader. You can tell you're reading the video game. But the author, Sean Williams, did a better job, in my opinion, of adapting The Force Unleashed 2 to a novel. One of the tricky parts, I think, of video games is most video games aren't very nuanced. And I'm talking mostly the video games from my childhood, the 80s through the 90s, even through the early 2000s up to the Disney acquisition. There are exceptions to every rule. I understand Knights of the Old Republic, one of the best, not only Star Wars video games ever made, but one of just the best video games ever made. And there's nuance there. You make decisions that have real consequences based upon whether you want to try to follow the light side of the Force or the dark side of the Force. I've never played The Force Unleashed. Judging by these two books, I'm going to guess these two video games were simply action-adventure games. You defeat a level, you fight the boss. You go to the next level, you fight the boss. And that's perfectly fine. I've had tons of fun playing games like that. I mean, that's really what the original Super Mario Brothers game is. I played that all the time when I was a kid. So I'm not judging anything. I'm just saying that a video game like that is very difficult to adapt to a novel and make the novel flow the way most readers would expect a book to flow. That being said, I think Sean Williams did a pretty good job, particularly on this second one. 
there are a handful of passages where we get discussions between Starkiller and Kota, or we get some of Juno's inner thoughts. And I think that's honestly the best parts of both novels. Juno's thoughts about Starkiller, her thoughts in the first book about her service to the Empire, and then, of course, when she and Starkiller defect and join the Rebel Alliance, her thoughts about the Rebel Alliance and her place in it. Those are the most interesting parts in both stories. Honestly, I would like more stories like that going forward. You don't get a whole lot of that in Legends. I'm talking now more canon stories. We do have some. Thane in the Lost Stars novel is an Imperial defector. Bodhi Rook in Rogue One, an Imperial defector. Finn, those of you who are watching the Andor show, we had one Imperial defector who used to be a stormtrooper, and there was an inside man, an Imperial lieutenant, who helped out the Aldani rebels. I won't go any further than that for those of you who haven't seen the show yet. Those are the type of stories I like. My one criticism so far in canon about those stories is, except for Thane in Lost Stars, we don't really get much about their thoughts about defecting from the Empire. Or, in Finn's case, the First Order. But that kind of stuff really interests me. That's the kind of stories that I like to read. I hope we get more of that in the future. As far as the stuff from The Force Unleashed, most episodes I talk about whether things from these legend stories could become canon. I think I said it on the last show. I don't really see anything from The Force Unleashed becoming canon. That does not mean we have not had references to The Force Unleashed in canon. We've had two Starkiller references so far. The first, Starkiller base in The Force Awakens. Now, of course, that was an homage to Luke Skywalker's original name in George Lucas's first drafts of the saga, Luke Starkiller. But, again, for those of you who are watching Andor, in Luthen's antique shop, we see a suit of armor that looks very much like Starkiller's armor in the Force Unleashed video games. When you watch the show, it's technically called Sith armor, but it looks almost exactly like the pictures I've seen of Starkiller's armor. So for me, it's nice that those little Easter eggs are put out there for fans of the Force Unleashed. Hopefully we will get more of those references in the future. So we're getting close to the end of the show, but first we have another Starfighter Squadron. This one comes from Wesley Campbell, who wrote a very nice email about Darth Revan and the Knights of the Old Republic video game. I'm going to save the email, Wesley, until I talk about the Revan book in early November, but 
Wes attached his ideal Starfighter squadron. It's filled with mercenaries, smugglers, bounty hunters, and pirates. So, without further ado, here is Payout Squadron. Payout 1 and Squadron Commander, Boba Fett. Wes says he's the king of them all. Payout 2, Mando, Din Djarin himself. The two already work so well together, so why not? Good question, Wes. Payout 3, Dengar, one of Wes's favorites. Payout 4, Zuckus and Forlom. Poor guy's never going to love, according to Wes. And here's a question to all the listeners. Do you call him Forlom or 4-L-O-M? I've always called him Forlom, but I've seen it both ways. Payout 5, Django Fett. Seismic charges. That's all Wes wants to hear. Payout 6, Cad Bane. A cool character who should have had more screen time in the book of Boba Fett, according to Wes. Payout 7, Ara Singh. Payout 8, Racco Hardeen. As long as it is actually Obi-Wan Kenobi in the Racco Hardeen disguise. Payout 9, Kyle Katarn. Some guy with a lightsaber, according to Wes. Payout 10, Jan Ors. It seems mean to have Kyle without Jan. I completely agree, Wes. Payout 11, Chewie and Han. Now, Wes says they can fit in a Skip Ray blast boat. I say they just take the Falcon. I think, Wes, you have so many different ships in your squadron. Just let everyone fly their own ships. That's what I would say. But however you want to do it. And finally, payout 12, Hondo. Wes says he's saving the best for last. That's Payout Squadron. Great choices, Wes, but I wonder how long this squadron will play nice before all of the backstabbing starts. Now, one little aside before I wrap up. I don't ever really talk about stuff in Star Wars that I do not like on this podcast. I've said there are about seven or eight things in both Legends and Canon, that I do not like. I think I've only ever talked about one on the podcast, and that's how, in Canon now, the Kyber Crystals and the Force are used when determining lightsaber color. Completely works narratively. I just don't like the choice. And Wes, in your payout squadron... You hit on a second thing that I just really do not like in Star Wars. And it's funny because Payout 12, Hondo Anaka, you said you save the best for last. I do not like Hondo. I never have. Particularly his depiction in Rebels. Didn't really like him in the Clone Wars, but I thought his depiction there was a little better. His depiction in Rebels... Hondo's just not for me. And I know he's going to pop up in live action in one of these shows here soon. I don't think it's going to be in the Ahsoka show. I think most likely it's going to be in this Skeleton Crew show that comes after that. I'm going to grind my teeth when I see him, but you just got to accept that there's some things, even in one of your favorite things, which is what Star Wars is for me, that you don't like. And that's perfectly fine. I actually like the fact that some people like things that I don't like. And I'm coming from a guy who unironically 
likes the Crystal Star in Legends, and all of you Legends fans out there that have read it, I know that's always up there when people talk about the worst books in Star Wars they've ever read. Doesn't matter. I like the book. And Wes, you go ahead and like Hondo all you want. It does not matter what I say. You love Hondo with all your heart. Now it's time to wrap up. If you have a question or comment for the show, email me at swlegendslounge at gmail.com or send me a tweet at legendslounge1. Heck, Wes, email me back. Tell me why I'm wrong about Hondo. I don't care. I just like the interaction. If you want to get your voice on the show, record your own audio file and email it in. Just record it in MP3 or MP4 audio format. And keep sending me your Star Wars fighter character Starfighter Squadrons or your fantasy dieball teams. I still want someone to send in their favorite Star Wars road trip buddies. Who's in charge of the map? Who brings the snacks? And most importantly, who's in charge of the radio? Come on, people, let me know. Your ultimate Star Wars road trip. I want to hear from you. Now, coming up on the next episode, it's something a little different for Halloween season. Death Troopers by Joe Schreiber, a horror story set in the time just before the events of A New Hope. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. I'm Aaron Motes. May the Force be with you. And remember, there's always a bit of truth in Legends. <laughs>